0: Well, hello, date night fam. You already know that this has become our favorite part of the week. Yahoo! And we have some big news. I mean, big is relative, but for us, it's big.
1: Well, everyone has already heard. It's not yeah, really that's big. It's
0: true. News. So it's really not really news at all, actually. But we're <laughs> pumped about it. So, Ethan, why don't you cue the drum roll? And I guess we could do this together if you want. Yeah. Already? So, one, two, three. We'll, we'll be, be dropping, dropping pods weekly. weekly. <laughs> okay. Well, you've all been so gracious and uh, asked that we release episodes more often. So uh, I did a brainstorm with past- the pastors at church um, and the For the Gospel crew and talked with Bree, and we're ready to go. Woo-hoo! That's two yippies from you today. <laughs> so from today onward, as surely as the sun rises in the east, come wind, rain, sleet, or hail. Okay. All right. Every Thursday, Lord willing, we'll be dropping a new pod So, give us one more yippee. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Ethan, cue it. How dare
1: you say that (laughs) to me? What did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? Ah, we
0: have got a Fun one today. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had multiple questions asked by all of you, um, the date night family, about affection in the home. And that's everything from God honoring sex to just basic stuff. Like one gal grew up in an abusive home and said she was never taught even how to hug and everything like that. And so now her kids are feeling it.
1: Mm. And also a number of questions on how we as parents should discuss romance with our kids. Obviously, it's a growing concern because the culture is so sexualized.
0: Yes, it is. So, what we're thinking. Uh, your plan is going to be, we're going to tackle this subject starting from the Bible and then moving out to application. And while we're going to be super honest, we're going to be careful with our word choices and do a little bit less joking, kind of a warning, a little less joking than normal for a few reasons. Number one, because we don't want to defile our own marriage bed. Number two, because we don't want there to be even a hint of sexual immorality. That's Ephesians. And number three, we want date night to be, for the most part, kind of air quotes on this, teen friendly, even if it's older teens who are courting or dating with the intent to marry. So we're going to go ahead. Ethan, you can cue the siren here. And if your kids are on, (laughs) that's a great siren. If your kids are on... Mom and dad, uh, go ahead and give this a listen first, and then maybe introduce um, the podcast to them.
1: Another reason is because our son, is here. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because Nathan's here. Uh, That said, in my counseling experience, an enormous number of Christian couples uh, aren't enjoying all the blessings of which they are capable of and for which God has designed them. In fact, I've met with Christians who find intimacy unpleasant, even wives who feel cold, Um, Some of the guys are weighed down by images from their past and stuff online. Uh, But time and again, the couples who are most committed to God's plan for sex, who are the most honest with one another and the most committed to loving their spouse, they are the most satisfied. And so, sweetie, why don't you go ahead and kind of guide us through these sections? I don't think we're going to be able to make them through make it through all of them, but let's go ahead and take one at a time.
1: All right. So let's start with the sanctity of sex for the couples who weren't raised in a godly home or started their relationship unsaved. What do they need to know?
0: Well, I think just as kind of big picture, let's start there. Proof that marital sex is sacred. Uh, is in the first command of scripture right there in genesis 1 28. Be fruitful and multiply. And that charge was given, we need to remember this before sin even entered the world. So lovemaking, which is a term we're going to use here quite a bit as opposed to lust making. And by the way, we need to remember that lust making is what the world does. Love making is what the the Christian does in marriage. And really you only can do love making in, in in marriage where there's been a covenant uh, relationship made between the couple and the living God. So we got to remember that before sin entered the world, lovemaking and procreation were ordained and enjoyed while Adam and Eve continued in their innocence. And the rest of Scripture bears that out. Jesus spoke of the two being one flesh in Matthew 19. And then a very interesting verse is in Hebrews, where the author of Hebrews elevates the marriage bed as honorable or sacred and even uses a Greek word referencing uh, the cohabitator, the cohabit of the sex act of a married couple and says, don't let that act... Be defiled, So God is the creator of sex. He set human sex drives in motion. He put Adam in the garden. He took his rib and made another miracle, Eve. And she was similar to him in virtually every respect, but her reproductive system was unique. And so they were complementary. I like to think of it as each was equipped with special features but they both had a desire to consummate and that was God's design.
1: And isn't that where Genesis 2 provides the beautiful picture of God himself bringing Mm -hmm. Eve to Adam, like a formal introduction. And then that sweet moment in Genesis 2.25 where it says they were both naked naked. And we're not ashamed. Mm-hmm. I think for me as a woman, that's the picture I love. No embarrassment, no shame, no nerves, just two people introduced by a holy and righteous God who commanded them to
0: love. Amen. You can picture, she came walking out of the mist and he said, I will call her woman because he said, whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever laughs at that joke at church either. Well, we can, let's draw that out a little bit further. Throughout the Old Testament, the authors of scripture refer to marital, marital sex using the Hebrew word, for intimate knowledge, and I'm sure most people have heard that, yada. In modern vernacular, we'd simply call that the interlocking of the mind, uh, or knowing my heart, or engulfing my body. Uh, it, it, it's intimacy. It's the passionate stuff. And it's funny, or sometimes maybe even sad, that some people have the strange idea that anything spiritually acceptable to God can't be enjoyable. When actually the opposite is true for Christian couples, you have heard the old saying, pray together, stay together, but it's also pray together, play together. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's, there's a real bond when the spiritual life and the physical lovemaking come together.
1: So are there some key scriptures couples can read together? Absolutely.
0: The Song of Solomon describes it well. In fact, uh, couples, if you want to do something very enjoyable, go read chapter four of the Song of Solomon together uh, and and get a good commentary. Um, Not a commentary that kind of pushes it into allegory for the church, but a commentary that analyzes it literally. And as you read chapter four, you really begin to see this marital love explosion in the pages of scripture. Another example is in Proverbs 5. Uh, where Solomon warns against taking up with what he calls a strange woman or the adulteress. And in contrast, he challenges a husband to, in quote, rejoice with the wife of his youth. And we go, well, well, how? How do you rejoice with the wife of your youth? And he says, by letting her breast satisfy thee at all times, be ravished with her love. So the whole idea there is man rejoicing in the couple's sexual pleasure. Um, I think it's even interesting on a macro level that that God commanded Moses to let all the men be exempt from the military for the first year of marriage so they could come to know their spouse and, of course, make babies as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the end, 1 Corinthians 7 is probably the clearest teaching on the subject of mutual pleasure. Paul says, I'll quote him, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Mm -hmm. And likewise, also the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So he says, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time. And he goes on to talk about the time of prayer. And if we had more time, we could cover the whole thing. But in short, there's four principles there, and you know we could write these down. Number one is both husband and wife have sexual needs and drives. Paul's clear on that. Number two, when we get married, we forfeit control of our body to our spouse Number 3 both partners are forbidden to refuse meeting their spouse's needs and then number 4 obviously like Hebrew says the love making act in marriage is wholeheartedly approved by God. So those are four beautiful, clear, concise principles that we get there
1: Yeah, from and First I feel like I could add a little encouragement here for the yeah, wives. Yeah. We've talked to Christian couples who struggle in their sex life, and often it came down to the fact that they've never learned God's design or had been sexually active before marriage, and those habits of lust or ongoing feelings of guilt were carried over into marriage. So ladies, if you sit down with a biblical counselor and your husband also and confess, to each other, the Lord, most importantly, and begin rebuilding your romance, God's way, you can experience joy and freedom.
0: Yeah. Even if it's later on in your marriage, you can renew, you can rebuild, you can start over. Um, So let us kind of summarize the sanctity of sex, just the kind of the clear biblical position, the foundational position is that God designed it for the fireplace of marriage. It's an external expression of an internal covenant. And obviously when it's out of the fireplace, the way that the world teaches it, the house burns down, it causes so many issues, but inside the fireplace, it's beautiful, it's warm, it's enjoyable, it's transparent and exciting. And that's the gift that God gave us. Mm. Um, I like to just think of it the way I already said it. The world does lust making, but only Christians really can do love making.
1: All right. Well, that's a good place to make a turn. So let's say we have a date night couple. Can we give them names? John and Sally. John, Tom, Tom, Tom
0: and Sally. Sally. By the way, if you're a Tom and Sally and you're out there, we're not picking on you. We're just making these up. So Tom and Sally. Okay. A date night couple. Got it. Recently
1: saved. Minds are being renewed. They're coming to understand the beauty of God's design, but are still trying to figure out their differences, especially younger couples.
0: So Tom and Sally are younger. Mm -hmm. Tom and Sally are age 24. 26. Okay, all right, Tom. Awesome.
1: What's the first thing they should be aware of?
0: Uh, I can already tell this is going to be a two-part episode. <laughs> I got a lot to say. I don't know if you'll remember this, but we counseled a couple who was struggling because of previous sin in their life. They got married and then they still, you know, they 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 had had previous partners. They just They weren't jiving and she wasn't feeling pleasured and she was insecure because of his past. And they finally settled on a motto. Do you remember this? Expectations breed, what is it? Frustrations. Frustrations. Expectations breed frustrations.
1: I do remember that. The whole issue for them was learning to communicate Mm -hmm. because they were still under the old Hollywood idea. And like much of us. Yep. where the music, music starts, starts, the lights yep. fade, and it's all- Just magic. Yep. They'll
0: never tell you what happens after <laughs> that. But this couple, they weren't talking, sharing, and laughing, and just mm-hmm. being friends. They'd never learned how to communicate. And I think that's what made me really think of this, this answer to the question. The primary issue that I sense from young couples when they're coming into the church is- some of them have never heard anything from their church at all. Some of them have only heard what the world has said about just do whatever you want. And so they, they don't even have a bar for how to communicate. And so I think issue number one is always communication. True love is viewing life through your spouse's lens and loving them above yourself. And that's the same when it comes to the bedroom. You really can't make love with the body until you've made it in your mind. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. It's got to be about the other person. And, and I'll just say on a side note, this is the challenge when we go to a tightly wound Bible church and there's not good premarital counseling, these young couples are coming in and they didn't have nuclear homes. They didn't have Christian parents. And so all they're hearing from is the salacious culture and they really have no one guiding them on how to communicate when it comes to their intimacy.
1: Mm. So how would you say a young couple can learn to truly love with their mind, really elevate the other over their self or is true love making, not mm. just selfish and animalistic. animalistic. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the first step is studying your spouse. And what I would mean by that is not creepy leering <laughs> where you just <laughs> you, <laughs> sit, you, you the side the corner of your eye, you're, hey, um, but learning what makes them tick. Generally speaking, men and women are different in how they view sex. So what I think this would be really fun to do is we've got a list here. I'm going to tell the guys about the gals and then you tell the gals about their man. Does awesome. that make sense? Yeah. So I'll kind of go through the the guy side and then help them, you know, basically give them a list of things that they might want to know about their, their wife, especially if they're younger. Um, so brothers for starters, let me just give you a list on, this will help you with communication. It'll help you as you learn your wife, as you study your wife, you want to really be a student of her. Um, a woman is the most complex creature on the earth. (laughs) I'm sure by now you've learned that. Uh, so I'm just giving you general information from our years of counseling and of being married. Your wife may be unique. She may not quite fit this particular diagnostic, but generally speaking, here's a few things that tend to be the case. Number one, lovemaking for her fulfills her womanhood. So if you want to write that down, lovemaking for her, and this is, this is important to understand, fulfills a part of her that allows her to thrive. Part of your beautiful bride's self-confidence comes from pleasing you sexually. It's kind of like for us, how we build self-image based on vocation. And if she feels that she's failed you or is failing you in that area, or you tell her that, or you cut her down or hurt her, or even early on in the honeymoon or something, you had a bad experience and things didn't work right and that insecurity builds, she'll start to wilt mm-hmm. like, a, like, a, like a burned daisy. I mean, she's gonna start to just wilt. But conversely, if you're positive and you're uplifting and, and, you, and you grow together, she'll flower and she'll become more confident. So I think that's a big one. Remember that this is fulfilling a part of her very existence. Number two is that lovemaking reassures her of your love. That's huge. Women have a tremendous capacity to love. It's way deeper than ours. I mean, they can love the kids. They can love the, the in-laws. They can love the, the neighbor down underneath you in your apartment complex. And they also can love you. They have such a deep desire for companionship. And if you show her emotional companionship, she'll want physical companionship. So let me kind of say that again. They have a tremendous capacity to love, but they also have a deep desire for companionship. And so when you show her emotional companionship, that you're her friend, that you're with her, that you care about her as a person, then she'll naturally want physical companionship. So some examples on that would be, you know, turn off the TV and and talk with her. She'll blossom. Uh, Write her love notes. She'll blossom. Uh, Saying the five reasons you love her. She'll blossom. Open the door for her when you get in the car. She'll blossom. Give her tender kisses. She'll blossom. Once she's assured of your companionship, then the physical response will be, more natural. So
1: does that build off itself as well? Would you say that like mm-hmm. each year, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The emotional tank can at certain times of life be more filled up than, 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 than other times. But the reality is, is over the course of a lifetime, as we'll talk about here in a second, that confidence grows. So lovemaking fulfills her womanhood. Lovemaking reassures her of your love. Here's a third one, brothers. Lovemaking satisfies her sex drive. Now that. It's pretty obvious, but let's just talk about it quickly. Typically, your wife's sex drive is strongest while she's ovulating. I know that's technical language, but that's the midpoint between periods. Um, That's also, by the way, why often girls uh, who get pregnant before wedlock, it happens around that time. Because that's when they're, they're willing to do things they wouldn't typically do because the drive is so strong. But generally speaking, a woman's libido grows as she ages, and we often don't think about that. We think, wow, we're in our twenties. You know, for men, we tend to peak sexually nineteen to twenty-two, but for a woman, she often peaks in the mid-thirties, and this is beautiful for a husband because if you've loved her early on, you've built her up, you've applauded her, you've protected her, you'll find that she grows more confident with age, and and naturally, that expressiveness will come out in the bedroom. And so, one of the beautiful things that a lot of older couples who are in the Christian life who've walked well together will say is that they're. Their sex life actually improves as the decades go by, which is not something we think about when we're young. Number four, lovemaking relaxes her nerves. This is important, and this isn't really bedroom stuff. This is more just life stuff. Physiologically, our nervous system and reproductive systems are linked. It's just part of God's plan. So if your wife is shown compassion, get this, you engage in foreplay, you elevate her desires in the bedroom, you, 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 you make sure that you've taken care of her needs, she'll often become more relaxed and assured, in other areas of her life. She'll feel more secure. She'll feel more at peace. And again, that's generally speaking. There's a lot of other factors that go into that. So number one, lovemaking fulfills her womanhood. Number two, lovemaking reassures her of your love. Number three, lovemaking satisfies her sex drive. Number four, lovemaking relaxes her nerves. And then here's, here's a last one. And this is really important. Lovemaking is where she feels oneness. Uh, if it's done God's way, you, you two are going to spend your lifetime pleasing each other. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing memories together of satisfaction and laughter and relief and release behind that closed door. I always like the picture of um, Song of Solomon when he talks about in Getty and fleeing to the hills of En And it's like, this, it's like this safe harbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you got the crying kids outside and, you know, sometimes they're sick. Other times neighbors are rapping on the door, you know, mom's calling. But when you escape to the bedroom. It should be a safe place, a place of harmony, a place where it's just for the two of you, and that's the one thing that you don't share with anybody else. Everywhere else in your life, you think about it, we share our spouse, but that's the one area uh, in the the act of intimacy and lovemaking where where that person's not shared, and so that's what reassures her that you guys you guys are one. And so those would be five things just to go over them again. Lovemaking fulfills her womanhood, it reassures her of your love, it satisfies her sex drive. It relaxes her nerves and is where she will ultimately feel that that oneness with you that the Bible repeatedly speaks of, being one flesh.
1: Love it. Okay, sisters, from the gal side. So our husbands are... All different, but generally speaking, here are a few things to remember as you seek to love him. Number one, lovemaking satisfies his sex drive. Generally, our husbands have a stronger sex drive than we do. Typically, ours is sporadic, while well, theirs is pretty constant, and God designed it that way so that they would be leaders more aggressive and without being too blunt. And uh, let
0: me let me just interject. I know everyone's tired of hearing me talk. They won't hear you, because they always <laughs> say that. People sent me messages like, let pretty talk more. Um, just from a biological standpoint, God made your husband to produce a semen build up, say every forty eight to seventy two hours, and so depending on his schedule and anxiety levels and his age, you know that's about the time frame that typically you know a man wants to release that. So that's Thank just you for a side note. That. Yeah,
1: that's pretty helpful, especially in the early years. Don't be surprised if he desires regular sex. He's not a caveman. It's just a normal part of God's design. <laughs> He's not a beast. <laughs> All right, number two, lovemaking fulfills his manhood. Men have a fairly strong ego, and if your hubby doesn't feel manly in his own eyes, he'll start to feel incompetent or unmotivated and even depressed, and part of that is sexual frustration, it could be. So if you willingly make love to your husband, it will encourage him, and especially after a defeat of some kind, your lovemaking will help him bounce back. And a quick side note, it's okay to show him that you enjoy it. It's okay to tell him what's good. That's not unselfish you know joyful. that's
0: not selfish that's unselfish right yeah joyful yeah it's an unselfish joyful way of applauding him
1: yes yeah. definitely yeah. number three lovemaking enhances his love for you because your hubby has been given a strong sex drive and a conscience the joy of that sexual release without provoking his conscience will enhance his love for the person who makes that possible and in God's plan there's only one person on earth that can do that you so sex really is a spiritual blessing for your husband did you want to jump in?
0: I just think that's important to, to kind of pull that out a little bit, flesh that out a little bit. That yeah. is such a huge point to think that when when our conscience and alarm bells are is firing before we're married, the reality is, is, is that even if people are suppressing the truth, they know there's something about this relationship that's not the way it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. So people are involved and then there's not only the concerns of STDs and the physical uh, consequences, there's also just the emotional baggage that comes the insecurities, the doubts, this person's never going to call me again. And all that happens, they suppress it, suppress it. But then in marriage, you have this beautiful opportunity for your husband to feel fulfilled and manly and to have these needs met without any point of his conscience or yours as a woman mm-hmm. um, being under restriction or feeling guilt or shame. And that means that as a couple, we're both able to satisfy the other one, not only physically, but in a spiritual vein too. We're bringing them the complete joy that God intended the great, complete freedom totally. of a, of a, of a holy union. So that's such a huge
1: point. Agreed. I would say number four, lovemaking reduces friction in the home. Often, not all the time, but often making love will reduce the small irritations around the house largely because if your husband is satisfied, he'll be more content, not all the time, but most of the time. And number five, uh, with what you were saying, love, love making provides life's most exciting experience for your husband. Yes, the emotional and physical explosion of lovemaking is the most exciting repeated experience he'll ever have. When he climaxes, all his other anxieties disappear. Thoughts disappear, even glands, breathing organs, and blood pressure are uncontrolled. And God gave him that gift only through you.
0: I love that line. God gave him that gift only through you. Mm-hmm. It's so helpful when wives understand that. Um, you know, the most common, I'll speak for the men, the most common spiritual problem for men is the thought life. Uh, the sex drive is so powerful. The world is so erotic. And we get saved, convicted by the word. The Holy Spirit changes our thought patterns. And a loving, sexually responsive wife is an indescribable blessing to help uh, us keep our thoughts pure. Those
1: goes for us too. Uh, those private minutes together without kids, without phones, just feeling young and free really are a precious gift and joy the Lord gave us. And when we feel adored by you, it refreshes and encourages us.
0: Love it. So if we had to sum all of that up in this section, I think it would just be, we'd say communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be be open. open with one another. This is something I always push hard in premarital counseling. Um, as couples, we've... 50 years together as best friends and teammates. And it's okay to talk. You know, what do you like? What do you not like? Here's an idea that works. That doesn't work. And just learning to truly be one. And it's a great thing to do. For example, on a date night, you know, go out to (laughs) Chick-fil-A, talk about it. Mm -hmm. You talk about the important things, your convictions, talk about your cash and calendar, the functional items, but talk about your sex life as well. How do you feel things are going? Is there anything you want to try? Is there anything I can do better? Mm -hmm. You know, I guarantee if you sit and share those whispers together, you'll get real excited on the drive home. It's not simply the physical act. It's being in spiritual union.
1: Completely. Okay. I'm looking at our list and I do not think we will have time for another. <laughs> I going have
0: am too. We're going to um, we're gonna have to do another episode on this next week. Yes. Um, we have, let's see, here's the future topics we need to get to the art of love making, differences between husband and wife in lovemaking, the key to feminine response, that's a big one. Some common questions that we get and even how to teach the teens. How do you talk to your teens about uh, what true marital lovemaking is? Uh, and real quick, if you're looking for a good book on this, marital romance. There's a good one. It's old, uh, but it's been around a long time. It's been used by a lot of people. It's Ed Wheat's book called Intended for Pleasure. That's by Ed Wheat. It's called Intended for Pleasure. And, And again, it's dated. Probably you'll get a black and white cover of some kind, but it is super helpful. So anything else we need to talk about today?
1: Where are you taking me for date night today? Oh, Chick fil A. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ethan's like, ooh, gross. <laughs> I know what that means now. Well, hey, we're out of time. So, for all of our date night family, we hope this has blessed you. And we hope you'll tag us in a few date night pics. And let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing on this very important marital topic. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of marriage and of marital intimacy. Help us to be selfless and thoughtful and compassionate and happy, always enjoying and never defiling the marriage bed. We pray that you would do this for us in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, we will be back next Thursday with part two on this topic. A big thanks to Ethan, our producer, woo-woo, everyone at Mission Bible Church, the team at For the Gospel, and you, our date night family. See you in 168 hours. Leave a review and keep living for the gospel and fighting for, for the, the family. family.
0: Love you.